welcome everyone to our digital version of Speak Ignation as we are uh, continuing on a process we began uh, earlier in the year of looking at different Ignatian terms and concepts of what they mean. Today, we're talking about for and with in the sense of the Ignatian for and with others. Uh, and today, uh, as always, I'm joined uh, with uh, Doug Brown and excited uh, as well to have um, uh, Caitlin Pardo from the uh, Modern Languages Department and Mara Balthazar from uh, the Student Activities, as we are trying to engage the question of what's it mean to be for and with in this uh, time of isolation, in this radically different reality that we're in today. Uh, what's that mean? And what are the values that some of what we typically live with in, in at Loyola High, in Jesuit education, how can those now be applied to our contemporary situation? So I'll turn it over uh, to, to Mr. Brown now to, to share what he might like to say on that topic. Actually, well, first of all, this has been a long time coming. Thank you too for being patient. Uh, and when we initially wanted to do this, um, it was really like a completely like different time and really to think about just really the center on the things that you both do um, in your different areas, but some things that you do together as friends and, and really kind of thinking about what and how that manifests in our everyday. But now, since we waited <laughs> and in this moment that we find ourselves in, I think this idea of being for and with uh, is really important and how to do this has really become more important. Um, and just thinking still about just who you are, your own friendship, your own uh, kind of your own self and how you kind of find time to in this moment. Have you found time to be formed with yourself, others, your student? On, uh, Mara, I think of you, you touch so many different people every day throughout uh, your own encountering uh, and interactions with them. Uh, you, you're kind of the Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Are we good? Okay. So by nature, I'm an introvert. So being in that office initially was really difficult for me. Um, it's really taking me out of my comfort zone and like building those connections is where like I started to find happiness and like where I felt comfortable right so after those initial connections started happening it was great so being in this quarantine I've, I've been telling Caitlin it's kind of scary that I don't mind being home this much like I'm okay with it but then that's the dangerous side of it and I know that because I need that human interaction to keep me kind of leveled out right yeah, I can actually piggyback off of that as well. Um, I also identify as an introvert, so it's amazing how like easy it is to settle in to this type of lifestyle of isolation, if you will. Um, I do tend to be very like tunnel focused, so I'm good at things that I, that are right in my purview. So I'm great at school because I'm at school. I'm focused on school at home. Ideally, I can function at home. Um, but I think that's just not the nature of life. And that's what I think I loved about working at a school. Uh, kind of like what Mara is saying is it really does take you out of your comfort zone. You've got kids and you've got colleagues that interrupt you all the time. And it's a welcomed interruption and actually helps me to develop as a better human. 
um, I think that's the same thing at home. Like we can't compartmentalize everything. And I think in isolation, sometimes we try really hard to just, you know, stay zoned in. And I think that's, uh, unfortunately, that's just not how life works. And so I, in the same vein, feel like I really miss our kids. I'm, I miss my colleagues because this is part of my, now it was part of my routine. So it's been a little bit uh, interrupted and unearthed. So that's been an interesting journey for me as well. It, it raises a really interesting uh, comment, I think, related to this, this term, which is right now we're still trying to be for other people, but we're mm -hmm. not with them in the same way right we have a very different experience of being uh with people still checking in still connecting virtually but it does add something very different um let me just ask about uh that you know in this time where all of us uh that schools uh, are trying to still be for our students um but we aren't with them in the same way what, what's that experience been like for you and what's your sense of what the experience has been like for the students to continue to be for and with in this very different environment? Um, I think I can start for me being for and with students. Um, I think the for part is really thinking about like, what are, what are they feeling and putting myself into their shoes? Like, how are they making adjustments to this new online platform, especially as a teacher? I'm thinking about equity, like do they have the right, do they have internet access? Do they have computers? Do they have multiple screens? Are they gonna be able to engage in an online learning lesson? So those are the types of things I'm thinking about. How can I do this in a way that's accessible to my students? How can I make this feel um, like it was before? How do I make those, like that similar environment and feeling of a classroom, how can I do that in a virtual space? Um, so a lot of that comes with just checking in, saying hello every time we have virtual class. I'm a stickler about making sure that I see them every time that we have scheduled class, that we do some sort of like Zoom or a Google Hangouts experience because I want them to see each other's faces. I think connecting in that sense is really important. I also think being with them is um, requires that I'm really patient about my assignments and my deadlines and realizing that not everything's going to work. Sometimes my internet will go in and out. Um, sometimes their internet will go in and out. So it's being patient with, with them and being uh, realistic and understanding that um, it's not gonna be the same 60 minutes as it is face-to-face. -face. So it's making adjustments so that those students feel like I, I care about them. I wanna know who they are, how they're doing. Um, I want them to do well in school, but like it's more than that. And I think it's that whole concept of uh, care personalis. Like, let's make sure we're taking care of this whole kid. And I think Mata's department does a really good job of that, right? They're trying to think creatively, how do we get kids to do activities in this new, this brave new world of you can't really go outside that much. You can't play those organized sports that you used to play. You can't do um, these activities that you used to do face-to-face. -face. So I think um, Mara's department does a really good job of trying to engage them in this new brave way. Yeah, and it's, it's really hard. I mean, the first two weeks I was telling Caitlin, like, I don't know what this looks like virtually, you know, like my job is prom and graduation and all those things that the seniors are so excited about and it it's unclear how it's going to happen if it's going to happen when it's going to happen and and that's a big piece of like making sure like touching base with them making sure they're okay and like we don't want to take everything and i was just talking to paul the other day but 
we don't want to take everything away from them too soon, right? Like, we're not going to take things away from them if it's unnecessary, if it's like months in advance and we're not sure what's going to happen yet. And I think that's a key piece of just making sure that they know that there's still hope, right? There potentially is still something to look forward to. And especially right now, I feel like you really need that. You need those little like glimpses of hope or happiness. And and then another thing is like just touching base, like what Caitlin said, like connecting with them and making sure you, that they know that you care. So like there are a group of kids in the office that come in and they would sit at my desk and I would talk to them all the time and just reaching out and making sure that they know that I still care about them. Like I still value those, those conversations, even if it's in a different platform, right? Like, so now we're emailing and it's, we're still in the process of figuring things out in terms of activities. Like today was supposed to be prom. So that's clearly not happening. Um, and we're not sure when that's going to happen, if that's going to happen, but it's, we're kind of just rolling with it. And, but always keeping the kids in mind, I think is the most important. I think something early on that I've, I've learned is if you're not doing it for the kids and you're, you're not, your intention isn't the kid's best interest and like you're not doing the re- for the right reasons, right? Your, your intention should always be the well-being of the kids, the best interest of the kids. So. Yeah, and I think that really speaks to this idea of being for somebody. Um, I was reflecting over this the other day, and I was like, you know, form with others is kind of a tricky, it's a tricky expression in English, but in Spanish, it kind of makes more sense to me. So like it's con y para los demás. And the reason why I bring this up, and this is extremely nerdy and like going down my rabbit hole, um, but I think it's important. I, I was teaching this I want to say a couple months ago, like por versus para, they both mean for in Spanish. And por means to do something in exchange for. It's like a quid pro quo, like you do this, I do that, like we both get something out of it. But para is like something where you give, you give and the person that receives that object is the recipient. It's direct, it's one directional, it's definitive, it has a destination. So when we're doing things for others we need to make sure that we're doing that for it's it's not for our own benefit it's actually for the benefit of the other and i think mata really hit the nail on the head by saying like what we're doing at our school is for our students that's our main concern and priority so if we're for and with students like we're making decisions that are tough on our our own selves for the betterment of them like it's extra work for teachers over spring break to create these online classes or experiences, but they're doing it because it's for the betterment of our kids. It's what um, allows them to feel some semblance of normalcy in a time that in many ways is incredibly abnormal. And I think it kind of harkens back to that, the prayer for generosity, right? You, you give, but you don't count the costs. You fight, you're not heeding the wounds, you toil, you don't seek for rest and labor, not ask for the reward, right? These are all things that we're being asked to do when we're being for others. And I think in the same vein, like this is what we're doing in this new context is we're trying to figure out that for um, needs to continue to be that one directional. Um, we might not benefit, but who's uh, benefiting ultimately are our kids. And then obviously the greater glory of God. No, no, that's, I think that's a great point. And um I think all that it speaks to about kind of the directionality of something of the four mm-hmm. that we're we're headed towards a certain goal, and I think in our case, as you're saying, Caitlin, in education for our students, um, and then we're with uh, each other. I mean, we think about the the early. 
Jesuits or St. Ignatius when they got together, um, it, it was something that they did together. It was an experience of saying, hey, I, I'm oriented towards God, I'm oriented towards a sense of service, but mm -hmm. I'll do it better if I do it with others. And yeah. being part of a uh, company, of a companionship, of a, of a group will help me to even um, be better in doing the goal and, and being for the people that I want to be for with. So I just want to ask a little question here about um, what's it like to be with the people that we're all uh, trying to work together in this goal? So our colleagues, right? In this time of connection um, or disconnection or distance, it's very different than uh, you said before. I'll highlight here, um, we, uh, uh, Doug Brown I had to drop out because he texted me he has uh, his whole system just shut down so uh, that happens now in in this reality so um, our ability to connect and to be with others is different than it was before so maybe you'd say a little bit about in your yeah. context what it's like to be with our colleagues with each other as we as we uh, work to help the students um. I think the nice thing about Loyola is that we have, before all of this happened, is that we had such a strong community, right? So I think the key thing is that you may not see each other every day, but we're all in this together. And we know that because of how we work together before all of this, right? So we have a really strong base. Um, I think the other thing is like doing things like this and like seeing each other once in a while, that kind of reaffirms that relationship that you have. Um, or phone calls, touching base, Paul, or sorry, Bob, I know that you have weekly meetings with your, with your team, and a lot of departments do that. Paul and Chris and I work a little differently, where we'll just call and text, like, whenever anything happens, so we're always reachable, um, and I think that's the big thing, is just, like, making sure that everyone knows that it's still the same, right? Like, we're not in person, but we're in this together, we're working for the same goal, towards the same goal, and we're reachable. Yeah, I think the, that idea of like with itness, like being with it requires like being grounded in reality, right? And being grounded in a context and in the experience of others. So like, for example, the way that we can be with Doug right now is realize that like, maybe he can't make it onto the podcast and that's okay, but we can shoot him a text and say, hey, sorry, that's a real bummer that that happened to you. Like it's when you're with somebody, you understand their reality and you're willing to to kind of do the work alongside of them and it's a flexibility like that's what kind of motto is talking about it's like you're reachable but you're also flexible um you're able to um understand what's what are the needs of the other in this case and really you're able to be amenable to those things so um i agree with her i think we have such a beautiful um community we're really blessed to already kind of kind of love each other very much. And I think the more the Zoom calls that we have, the virtual happy hours, the, um, the experiences that we have online with our students, being able to see them face to face, like just that in and of itself is creating uh, moments of connection. And I think the more connected we can be um, and more, I would think intentionally connected, not just like a, hey, how's it going? But when we find ourselves in deeper conversation and reflection, like really like what's going on for you or what's going on for your family. I think uh, that's when we're starting to really see our, our community is blossoming in a new way in this, again, this very different, uh, unique context. 
Well, I think it's a great point about the adaptability, flexibility. That's a characteristic, I think, that of what St. Ignatius wanted to do, what the early Jesuits did throughout the history, is saying, I need to adapt to my place and culture and situation. And it's amazing when we think about, you know, in the early days for them, it was often by letters. You know, they went off to be missionaries to all parts of the world. And, you know, after Francis Xavier went off from Rome, uh, he never saw Ignatius again for the rest of his life, but they stayed in contact through the yeah. media into their time. Often months, it would take months to get a letter back and forth, but they were able to be connected in a shared mission. So it is interesting to think about how we're all in disparate places, but we are still united in this mission. And there is this need to be flexible, the, the same routine, having a, some structure uh, that's the same, we can do, but in the day-to-day -day contact, it's different and that we yeah. need to be flexible and, and open to that. Um, part of the reality, of course, of who we're with is we're also with uh, family and others in our own uh, places now. So it's a different uh, context of where we're working and, and who we're actually physically with all the time. So I don't know if you want to say a little bit about what that experience is like now uh, in terms of, of that uh, relationship, those relationships of being with. Um, yeah, it's been, again, it's really important to be intentional. As Caitlin said, like you have to reach out and more than say, hey, you know, what's up? You have to say, are you okay? How's it going? And like keeping in mind that a lot of, a lot of our community members have family that are sick or people in our community are sick. And so the reality is that getting care is a lot more difficult right now and it's yeah. scarier. And maybe they have access to care, but maybe it's something that's really scary for them to go do because you don't know if you're gonna get sick, right? That's a risk that they're gonna be taking every time. And maybe it's not them, but it's someone in their family. So though I'm lucky enough and Trevor, my boyfriend is lucky enough that we're, we're safe, we're good when we're in a good environment. But like Caitlin's saying, like not everyone is on the same page, right? A lot of people in our community or some people in our community may not have a safe home environment. They may not love where they live. They may not feel happy being home, right? Or they may not be happy in their home situation. So I think being aware of that reality and again, like being empathetic to the fact that not everyone's situation is the same um, requires intentionality and making sure that you reach out and if they need anything to, that they know that you're available. Like if you need anything, you're there. Um, so I think that's a big thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with that. I think there, we have some students that are really happy to be home because they have the amenities, they have, there's lots of things built in at their, at their homes that um, allow them to be either productive individuals or they can pass the time really easily. We have some students that really dislike um, that space. And in fact, school was their home. So now they've been kind of displaced. And I think that there's something to be said for, we really need to consider and watch out for those kids. And they usually um, name themselves to us a lot of the time. Um, they, sometimes they don't, but they spend a lot of time with adults in our community. Um, so I think it's our responsibility to, to kind of rem remind ourselves that we're home to them. And so we need to provide some of that normalcy. Um, kind of to go off a little bit on a different track, 
I was thinking about um, how do I be foreign with my husband at this time? And that's been really interesting for me because I am an introvert, but my husband is an extrovert, as Mara knows very well. Um, and so how do I create social spaces for him? Because for me, I do absolutely fine in this environment. In fact, I can be in my kitchen on my laptop doing work for long periods of time. And that is just not, that's not the case for him. And so I've got to figure out how to um, not necessarily be patient, but how, how, do I, um, how do I make him know that that's okay? And that how do I create spaces where he feels like he can really let his extroversion go out? Um, and how, you know, that's been really a struggle because I can tell that um, it's not always easy to be cooped up in this home environment. So I've been trying really hard to like be better about like certain things that drive him crazy. Like I'm the messy one of the two of us. So I've been cleaning like a bad woman because what else am I going to do? Right. Um, so I'm trying to create, you know, it, make it a safer space for him since he doesn't like to be cooped up, but it's a challenge. So that's kind of one of the ways that I'm trying to adapt of being foreign with my husband. But you know, it's, it's tough because it's a new environment for him too. It's a new context. And you can tell that it's frustrating and um, there's not much that I can do sometimes. Like sometimes it's just the nature of where we're at. And so I always, I feel a special place for my extroverts right now. Cause it's, it's I think it's a real struggle for them. Yeah. Um, it also makes me think about mental health, you know, and how people will react to this differently and I was thinking yesterday like when this is all said and done just thinking about the number of mental health issues that are going to come from this because like some people really need that human interaction and some people live alone and they don't have that like Caitlin you and I are lucky in that we have our partners and we have human interaction every day right as sometimes it may get annoying but <laughs> we have that yeah and we're lucky true. and not everyone has that and I can just like imagine how isolating it really does feel right and so at the end of this when it's all said and done I'm fearful for how people are going to be after this and how they're going to get out of it it just it makes me fearful yeah there's a real challenge there right like there's a challenge to I think we're learning a lot about ourselves in this new context um, I think we're learning about the things that we miss right the, like the things we took for granted, like going outside and spending time with friends and family. Um, but at the same time, I think there's something we said with being having slowed down a little bit. Like I will say that I am, my anxiety in a weird way has gone way down, whereas for some it's gone way up. Um, mine's gone down because I don't have as many things to do. And for some, like my husband, his anxiety is way up because it's like, it's just, there's too much monotony, right? Um, so it's really interesting. I wonder, are we going to take away anything from this or are we just going to try to reset and do what we did in the past? And that's my fear. I think there's going to be a lot of anxiety with people, like you were saying, but I also think on the other side of things, are we just going to snap back and get back into that same like grind that we were in? And I just don't know if that's healthy either. It's hard because I mean, we work at a school and so it's so fast paced, right? We, yeah. we have so many events. We have like, not just for the kids, but for the school itself. Um, we have athletics, we have events, we have like all these summer schools coming up. Like it just doesn't stop. <laughs> Even when we're not there, it's still going. So and so I think it's going to be difficult to maintain this level of like 
I don't, I don't know what's the word, um, less chaotic life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I, I would like to keep it at this. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, it has been really nice being able to kind of refocus my energy on things, you know, um, prioritize and real, like, I am one of those people that's really difficult for me to work at home. So I've kind of had to force myself to get to a place where I can work at home and like, not so much with, with work, work, like work, work is easy, but school work for me, because I'm doing my master's right now, I find that really difficult to concentrate at home. And so a time that I thought I was going to be getting a lot of thesis work done, I have it. So that's something I kind of really need to pick up on. I think, you know, um, what you were talking about there in a number of respects points to just one other element of um, kind of the Jesuit education focus, which is that we're, we're focused uh, for our students, but also for the wider community. Part of what mm-hmm. we're doing is that we're preparing um, our students to be engaged in, in the world, right? And so that uh, emphasis of being outward directed is very much part of, of our process. And I think all the, the points you're raising in terms of the issues of mental health, uh, the issues of, of the equity or the variety of situations that our students are in also relate to the situations in society, right? And help remind us hopefully in some ways that this is a special opportunity to highlight that these are real issues. Um, and I heard someone say that in this time, everything's just more magnified. Right. If there was inequity before, now it's even more clear. If there's difficulty in how we relate to one another, it can just uh, have new elements of being right in our place. If we have difficulty in our home space, et cetera, uh, those things are just more right there because we don't have many as many external distractions uh, to focus on. So just a reminder, I think that, yeah, that all of this, too, as you're saying, helps us focus on our impact on the wider community. I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on that uh, role of for and with. Yeah, I was thinking about th- there's a an interesting temptation in this context. I think first it, it's a great opportunity to reflect, right? It's a great opportunity to really think about and prioritize, as Mara was saying, like really think about what what matters to me, right? As things are being taken away from me, like what do I miss? And really spending time thinking about those things. But on the other side of it, there's also this temptation, and I feel it a lot, of just going so inward that I forget about the world outside of myself, right? Um, and so I really believe that this is a time for us to um, make sure that we're not spending so, so much time reflecting to the point where we start kind of just uh, cycling through our own needs and not really realizing the bigger picture here. Um, and I was thinking about like being foreign with our community, right? Um, has a lot to do with like this concept of, of hoarding, right? Like I know that people are scared and out of fear, people are buying like toilet paper. And I know it's become this huge joke now because like there really isn't like people are like, wow, there's toilet paper on the shelves. This is amazing. Um, but sadly that comes from a place of fear. And so if we're continuing this place of isolation and we're acting out of fear, we're not going to be for and with one another. And I think that's a perfect example of how we see that this context can magnify or or make manifest actual huge societal issues. And so I'm really hoping 
um, that we remind ourselves how to be like make preferential options for each other. I know like there's that concept of preferential option for the poor. Um, I think the same way we need to make a preferential option for our neighbor, right? Um, when I'm going to the grocery store, I'm not buying six gallons of milk. I'm only get, buying what I need for my family unit, um, realizing that there's a greater community that also has needs. Um, so I think that's in some way, in one way that we can actually like use foreign with is to make sure that we are still thinking about and reaching out to, as Mara was mentioning earlier, um, our elderly community, asking them, like we have elderly neighbors, we ask them every day, do you need us to go to the grocery store? Do you need us to do something for you? Because we want to do something for you, right? Um, and I think it doesn't matter if they, if we do it or not, or if they ask us or not, but the idea is that we are being with them and for them and hoping that they know that through constant messaging that they don't have to be alone in this, right? Um, so I think that's a way that we can be for and with our community, especially our global community right now, because that seems to be a big issue. Yeah, um, one of the things I was thinking about yesterday was um, my partner and I, we're still getting paid regularly, right? And I was thinking we're actually saving a lot of money because we're not going out. We're not going out with friends. We're not going out to eat. All of our meals have obviously been here. We haven't ordered out. We're saving a lot of money. And I'm like, this is awesome. But the reality is that a lot of people lost paychecks, lost their jobs, aren't able to save. They don't have money to eat, right? And so I'm thinking if, my, if our bills are still the same every month, they're the same this month, getting the same amount of money, how can I put that money into something that can be beneficial for the community, right? Because I'm still in that same position. So I think that's another thing to be aware of that like, we're privileged in the fact that we're still getting a paycheck and being aware that many people are not in that same position, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's just, I was thinking about that yesterday. How can I, what would be the most beneficial place for that money, I guess? I think those are some great examples. Um, I know that uh, we as well worked with um, the center in Hollywood at Blessed Sacrament Church to do a little virtual appeal for uh, they work with those suffering from homelessness in Hollywood and um, haven't been able to do their normal services, but now um, are gathering materials, basic food and water to distribute. So we've been inviting different members of the community to, to kind of donate to their list and their needs. And that's, I think the variety of good examples would be so many different ways that we can be of service, but to notice which ones are the right ones for us, what are appropriate to us. And it could be out to a wider community. It could be taking some of what we have to give. It can be being in contact with those that are our neighbors or even with our own family members, right? And it's an opportunity to be adaptable and to be, uh, to be of service. As we move to the end of our time together, just open it up to see if there's anything else you want to add on this idea of for and with. I mean, this is kind of my, this is my soapbox moment, I guess, if you will. Um, this is, a, I think, a huge challenge. And again, this is more of a, I would say, a systemic issue that, was, that has been existing for a long time prior to COVID-19. Um, but I also think there's um, an ask here specifically for uh, white people. And I'm saying that as a white woman because I think being foreign with others really requires uh, an understanding of, of privilege that's assigned to your race. And when I was thinking about 
this, I, I really wanted to speak to um, my white colleagues and the, the people that are listening on this podcast to realize that there's a huge call for us to be foreign with uh, people of color and foreign with people that do not have privilege. And what that means is that you're not a savior. You're not trying to save people of color. You're not trying to save um, people that have different privilege than you or that are less privileged than you, but it's a focus on seeding power and giving power to those that um, feel like they're voiceless in our context. Um, so what I mean by that is when, for example, there's a police shooting and it's another black victim, that people, uh, white people are also outraged too and are speaking out too and are fighting the same fights. And the reason why I bring this up is I think a lot of people are like, especially why people feel like they don't have any power in these types of contexts. And I think there's a huge opportunity in our community and in many communities to be foreign with um, people of color specifically by actually fighting that same fight and not believing that you have to be the person in, in the front, but you can be on the front lines alongside of others and creating space for. And I was thinking a lot about this. I think people, are trying to get out of that like proverbial comfort zone. And I think there's a real way that we can do that um, by navigating race lines. I think that's something that is some that we haven't done a very good job of. And in this context of COVID-19, it hasn't been something that's come to the surface, but it's still there. It's existed for a very long time. And it's as I was reflecting over being foreign with. It's something that I feel really uh, passionate about to share because I think that's one way that we can continue to uh, be for and with others is to create spaces that allow those voices to be the ones that are speaking more often. When I think about this COVID-19, it's funny, I just thought of this, but the whole purpose of quarantining is and with others right you may not be at risk mm -hmm. but you're putting other people at risk and and the mentality of of millennials people in their early 20s mid-20s whatever mm -hmm. um early on was that they were still going to bars because they didn't care right because they can't get sick so what does it matter but that's not the reality we live in and i think it's so indicative of foreign with like this this in itself is foreign with others right and and there's so much more purpose than just you, right? So many more, so many more people matter than just yourself. And I think this is just something to keep in mind and and just go forth with that. Um, you're not the only one that matters in this world. You affect so many other people, whether it's directly or indirectly. And I think that's that's really powerful. And yeah. You know, those are great. Um reminders of just how much our, our lives are interconnected, right? Uh, whether even in this time of isolation, in this time that we're, we're separate from one another, we're still all part of uh, the same community, the same system, and the actions that we take, even ones of, of uh, not engaging with others, have an impact on, on how we're with others. As, so to uh, our commitments, commitments that have been um, the same issues, as we were saying before, exist in society. It's just now this is a different opportunity to uh, reflect and to find ways to, uh, to be committed to others uh, in this circumstance as well.
so that, as we were alluding to before, when we return from this time of physical distancing, uh, we might have gained something from, from this period and that perhaps everything won't be the same uh, when we go back into, into how we live. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been really great to, to talk to both of you. Um, unfortunate, but also very much of the times that we lost Doug Brown, uh, who's uh, always a key contributor. So um, we will let him know how all this went and uh, hopefully be able to get uh, his voice in at, at some other spots. But um, thank you. Uh, any, any final words or? Uh, Good. Nope, just well, really, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was great. I really appreciated uh, talking with both of you, and um, and let's all continue to to be foreign with each other the best we can. Bye.